on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My friends, it was the weekend of the Wildcats. No! It was the best of times. It was the worst of times as the Wisconsin Badgers absolutely pummeled the living hell out of the Northwestern Wildcats. Shout out to Jim Leonard, uh, his debut as coach. The Wisconsin Badgers get a win. Graham Mertz, what, 299 yards, five touchdowns. Braylon Allen, 135 yards rumbling. And also, out of Wildcat, throws a touchdown to Chaz Malusi. Unbelievable. Wisconsin wins 42-7. to And then you flash forward to Sunday. And uh, Saquon Barkley is uh, one running out of Wildcat and being the doom of the uh, the uh, Green Bay Packers, excuse me, as they're in London. And the Packers fall in a, a very head-scratching game, 27-22 to, to the Giants. Rowdy, the weekend of Wildcat. Here, kitty, 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 kitty. My stance on the Wildcat <laughs> with the Wisconsin Badgers here, kitty, has kitty, not kitty, changed. Kitty, 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 kitty. I'm all in, dude. I'm, I, I said on Friday if they run Wildcat more that I'm going to be – someone's got to like it besides Dave from Monona. I'm in. I'm in on the Wildcat. When Chesma Lucy caught that touchdown pass from Braylon Allen, I'm like, I'm in. I'm totally sold. Now, when it happened earlier in the game, I was out because that play was terrible. But Rowdy, I'm in on the Wildcat. I love it. Bobby Ingram can do no wrong now. I'm so out. You had a schoolyard <laughs> BS play that went to the house and then live look into Dave from Monona's – uh, living room and all you could hear was uh, 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 yeah uh, it was kitty 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 dude the wildcat is so hilarious like what are you, what, are they, <laughs> what are they doing it's it's hilarious Graham Mertz was absolutely balling uh, no that's why I don't get it because Graham Mertz was playing well yeah, and then they why would the you take cat. it out of the quarterback's hands when he's actually playing well like, the dude's got 299 yards he's balling he's got five touchdowns They're like you know what's a good idea let's let Braylon Allen throw the football <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Therefore, I'm going to like it. And then Sunday, yesterday, you got a little wildcat. Packers fall victim to that. Saquon Barkley getting it done. Uh, we're going to start with the Packers just because what the, they're up 20 to 10 at halftime. I blame one person. Matt LaFleur. Yes. Same. His Rowdy, game same. Plan, his game same. plans. We didn't even talk about this, folks. We didn't even talk about what we we're going to talk about today. I blame I t- Rowdy. I'll let you say your piece. I texted my brother. Thor Sanity yesterday, and I said, I'm going to blame Matt LaFleur till the cows come home, till I'm blue in the face tomorrow. Well, it's the same thing every single time with Matt LaFleur. One, if he doesn't come up with a good game plan, they get housed all game. Yep. Two, a lot of times, if he comes up with a good game plan and they start to really pop off in that first half, the other team makes an adjustment. And you never Always. see Matt LaFleur make an adjustment. Never. And then my final thing, your last possession of the game, you need a touchdown. Right. It's third and two. You had two opportunities to get two yards and you didn't even run it once. No. I understand if you want to throw it at least once, but not to run it once it's when absurd. AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones were averaging over five yards a yes. carry combined. Yes. Why? Yes, I don't get it either. And then for because we've seen, how, how, sorry, how many games have we seen Matt Lafleur in this situation where then Lafleur gets to the podium and be like, "Oh yeah, we should have run the ball. We got away from what we do best." Blah, blah, and blah, you know blah. what's even worse is the fact that the Green Bay Packers, depending on when you looked at that line, were favored by seven and a half to eight and a half, pretty much the entire week. Yes, so they were heavy favorites. And there's a trend in London where if you're the favorite and a and a heavy favorite. Those teams win like almost all the time. And the reason for that is they think because the one team is significantly better than the other yeah. and it's a short week with weird travel that the other team has less less time to prep. Sure. And if you're the lesser team with less time to prep, that's only going to go worse for you. Yeah. The Packers, of course, are the only team that would start to break that trend because what the f did you do in the second half? Nothing. You just Matt. This is you what scored Matt two points in the second half because the, the Giants punter, gave you a safety. Yeah, because he ran out of the back of the end zone. Matt Lafleur, Matt Lafleur, boy wonder once dubbed from some people around here. No, 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 no. La bomb, la dud, la fluke. We got la flounder on Don't here from a guy. La fraud. La fraud. Matt. 
Matt LaFleur, this loss is on you. This is on Matt LaFleur. The dude, every time the Packers have a loss, this is what happens. The Packers come out, look like they're going to be pretty good, and then by halftime, the other team has adjusted, and Matt LaFlounder is left plucking his eyebrows, wondering, well, what do I do next? I don't get it, Rowdy. Oh, or or the team just doesn't come out good at all. Which, well, that's when that's when all of his game plans don't work. Yeah, see, that's the thing. When his game plan doesn't work, it's a game in which the the Green Bay Packers are going to get throttled. And then when it does work, they do look really good. When his when his first like fifteen twenty scripted plays are on point, the Packers oh, look amazing. They're humming normally. It'll be at least for that first half because the, because then the second uh, the other coach will have all of halftime to go through, come up with the the, the changes, well, did and it. then they ne- they know they always do, and then Matt Lafleur never does anything different. And they just like he's just like standing there like he's an idiot, like Duh. and then it's like they get away from the run, even though again, if you take uh, away Christian away Watson's negative three yard jet sweep, yeah. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon averaged over five yards a carry, and they've been doing that pretty much all season. And then LaFleur will get out the podium and be like, oh, I got to look at the tape again, but I don't know why we got away from it. Uh, we should have kept running the ball. Aaron Jones had 13 carries. A.J. Dillon had six. But, Rowdy, what's, what's the identity of the Green Bay Packers right now going into that game against London or against uh, the Giants in London? What's, what, what do you think the identity of the Packers was going into that game? The identity, uh, just don't lose. <laughs> no, I would say like they're a run first team, right? Like they're they're a running team, and then you got Aaron Rodgers, who's known to hit some good passes. Uh, still figuring out the offense, you know, with some of I these. I don't really, really think they're a running yeah, team. Yeah, I do. How I do. many games have you bitched that they haven't run the ball enough? But every time they do run the ball, they're juggernauts, right? And then we see like, okay, um, yeah. But on the flip side, remember Texas Tech under Mike Leach, where all they did was run air raid. Yeah. So they're throwing like eighty times a game. Yeah. If they ran the football 10 to 15 times a game, but they were really successful at it, you wouldn't say that they were a running team. I guess you're right. But, okay, so Packers and uh, first game, Packers, but Vikings. But I agree with you is that they should have ran more. Yeah. But there are times where I think Matt LaFleur falls in love with passing the football because teams think that they're going to run the football. So he's trying to pl- I'm, play I'll some mind him. games. I'm, 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 I'm going to trick you. But then he forgets that. It's not like he has the 2011 Packers receiving court. Yeah. So, okay, how about this? All right, Packers-Vikings. Packers lose 23-7. And, and Murray Rogers stinks. Yeah, he's terrible. He's like, did he try to pass it to Chai Deguara? All right, so it's 23-7. to Packers lose to the Vikings. Uh, what's, the, what's the common denominator here? Aaron Jones has five carries. A.J. Dillon has ten. What does Matt LaFleur go out to the podium and say after the Packers lose to the Vikings? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, did, did we really run it? That little amount of time? Uh, oh, I, I didn't realize that. We got to run the ball. So what do they do? They go face the Chicago Bears. And what happens there? They went 27-10. to 10. Aaron Jones has 15 carries. A.J. Dillon, 18. Packers obliterate them uh, with the ground and pound. Okay, cool. All right, then the Packers take on the Buccaneers. What happens? It starts to dip a little bit for uh, carrying the ball, but it's still even. 12 carries Aaron Jones, 12 carries A.J. Dillon. Packers win 14-12. to 12. And then all of a sudden, you get this the Packers Patriots, Aaron Jones, 16 carries, A.J. Dillon, 17. All right, they win 27-24. What are we looking at here? When A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones share an equal amount of carries and get a lot of it, they win football games, 27-24. And then you go to London. Again, what happens? Aaron Jones has 13 carries for 63 yards, A.J. Dillon, 6. A.J. Dillon's averaging 5.7 yards a carry. The dude's rumbling. Aaron Jones rumbling. What do you do? You lose. Well, I I think it's pretty clear as day that the most explosive electric player on the Green Bay Packers offense is Aaron Jones. Yes, hands would, down. Would you not say that? Yeah, totally. He's a like beast. he's the most electric player on their offense. Normally, you would want to get that best player a lot of touches. Now, I understand that Aaron Jones can't carry the ball 30 times in today's NFL if you expect him to play 16, 17 games. Right. But there's no reason why he can't take 12 to 15 carries every single game and, you know, a handful of passes. Are you telling me, Rowdy, that when you look at the box score? Like, he should be getting probably 20 touches a game, and at least 12 of them should, 12 to 15 should be carries. How about A.J. Dillon having six yesterday? 
Well, so uh, <laughs> six. We briefly spoke yesterday, but I told you like I was at the sports book, decided to uh, visit a buddy, hang yeah, out. Yeah, Rowdy's in Dubuki. So we bitched that um, Aaron Jones probably not getting a- enough touches, especially for how good he is. Yeah, I sat there and watched the 49ers and Panthers game. My Lord, Christian McCaffrey is so good when they actually get him the football, but even with how bad the Carolina Panther team is, and especially some of the guys around Christian McCaffrey, they only, they only gave him like 20 touches and, and and I'm not talking about he needs 20, 30 carries, but that guy's a guy that had over a thousand receiving yards as a running back. They still hardly got him the football. The Carolina sucks. (sighs) It's I, I don't understand Rowdy when like, Okay, so the Panthers, for example, and then you look at the the Packers. You have a certified weapon in your backfield, but you've refused to use them. So we'll get to um, we'll get to comments here coming up from Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur. I don't know. Did you watch? Well, you're you're probably coming home from Dubuque. So after the game, Rowdy, um, I was listening to the Aaron Rodgers press conference, and he was basically saying, "I'm not the one making those calls." At the end, when they when they you know threw it four times. I'm not the one making those calls, but I do like them. He said, I like, I like what was put out there. Well, we we run those plays all the time too. How the F did you throw it into the defender twice? I don't, like the one, like I get like if they jump up and they, they knock it down, right? They tip it. Yeah. The one hit the guy in like the neck. <laughs> I know. Like, so Aaron Rodgers, after, we'll get to the comments after the podium. Aaron Rodgers also saying some, uh, some things about the power of words. He doesn't like. He didn't like how some reporters were phrasing questions. Uh, well, it was a it was an interesting press conference from Aaron Rodgers. We'll get to it coming up. But he's basically saying he's like, I'm not the one making those calls. I do like them though. We practice those a lot, and we like those plays in practice because I'm not the one making those calls. And then Matt Lafleur was on the podium, uh, kind of saying Aaron Rodgers was the one rowdy making those calls. So there's a little. I don't think there's any trouble in paradise. But you look at this team, the Giants team, so many injuries. Daniel Jones is hobbled with a, you know, a high ankle sprain, or an ankle sprain, excuse me. They're in London. The Packers, you know, are favored by, what was the closing line on that game? Uh, I had this, I had the stat. I got to go get it here. I mean, Daniel Jones looked pretty good. Th- that's the best I think I've ever looked Daniel Jones play. Uh, he's, he's actually looked pretty good this year. I think, um, Getting rid of the old regime, bringing in Brian Dayball, yeah. uh, very good for Daniel Jones. So the Packers closed as a nine-point favorite before the game yesterday at Tottenham Hotspur's stadium. Yeah, and it was pretty much seven and a half to eight and a yeah. half all week. The Pac- they were heavy favorites. The Packers closed as a nine-point favorite. So this made this was their largest upset loss since week 13 of 2018 when they lost as a 13 and a half point favorite to the Cardinals. That was the game where Mike McCarthy got fired. Josh Rosen, baby. Josh Rosen and the Cardinals. I was there. I said if they would lose to them, I would jump and, and, and end my life. Thankfully, I did not. Rowdy calls me a coward for it, but I'm glad I'm still alive. But the Packers closes a 9 point just would have had two broken legs. Yeah, I wasn't that far, I guess. That was their biggest loss since McCarthy was fired at home against the Cardinals in 2018. That game was terrible. That game, that game yesterday was terrible. Again, I don't care. To 10 I don't care if you're throwing in those tight areas down in the red zone because if you watch Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, they do that a lot, yeah, all the time, and it works. It's going to work for Green Bay. Now, obviously, it's not going to work every time. No, but the fact that it was third and two in the most important spot, and you've rushed the football between your two running backs for over five yards a carry. Yeah. And you didn't even attempt one run because they easily, right? It's third and two. You could easily have slammed AJ Dillon up the middle there. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you lose a yard, but then you could try and pass. Yeah, like, you didn't even run, run, run it once. No, run, run, run the ball, run the ball, right? Run the ball. They didn't stop. They didn't stop you while you were running the football. I blame Matt LaFleur for the loss yesterday. Rowdy, you're right there with me. Yes. Matt LaFleur. Yeah, his his play calling and his lack of adjustments. Thanks. We'll talk about it coming up. We'll hear from him coming up. And it just seems like they just coasted in the second half. Totally. They're up well, we're up twenty to ten. We'll be fine. You let seventeen hundred. You got points. outscored in the second half seventeen to two. And the two and you that didn't gave score you. the point. You didn't you didn't score the two. That was the Giants gifted it to you. Jimmy Jimothy 
Nathaniel Leonard gets his first win, his debut. I don't know his middle name. Gets his first win as Andrew. Oh, yeah. Jimothy Andrew Leonard picked up his first win. It was a dismantling by the Badgers, 42 to 7. Kitty, 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 kitty. A little wildcat thrown in there. But speaking of throwing the ball, Graham Mertz. Woohoo, wee! Now, here's the thing about Graham Mertz. So hey, five that's touchdowns, what, that's one of his yards. best games. It is. That's almost shades of Illinois. Uh, it's not Illinois, almost. but that's one of his best career games. It is. Now, what do we know that Graham Mertz, what, what's one thing he does really good? Plays that's, pretty well against crappy teams. Yeah, and what's Northwestern? Pretty crappy. But they blew him out. Yeah, and that's what you wanted to see. Right. That's what we wanted don't, to see. Don't complain about a blowout. No, but you wanted to see it. You wanted you you didn't want to see a close game. There was one of two throttling. things that I thought could happen in this game. One, they tuck their tail between their legs and get beat by a really bad Northwestern team at Ryan Field, the house of horrors for the Wisconsin Badgers. Or they rally around, whether it be Jim Leonard, Paul Christ, whoever it is, and they go out there and absolutely smash Northwestern. Yeah. Now, I actually thought the former was going to happen. They were going to lose to Northwestern because the this team did not look confident. It did not sound confident. I saw the little Even clips. Even the bus rally. Yeah, I saw the clips of them getting off the bus. It literally looked like they were being made to show up and like, all right, guys, get off the bus. Time to go. Yep. They, did not, they did not look like they wanted to be there. And it wasn't just like one guy. It was like everybody when they got off the bus. But, man, on that field, it was a sunny day at Ryan Field, which is rare, and it looked like everyone wanted to be there. They dominated. <laughs> it's like everyone wanted to Start be there. Start to finish. In fact, after the game, I was reading, seeing, they were calling Paul Christ. Be like, we did this for you, coach. It's all you, coach. We got this, coach. But yeah, what a game. No, but talking about Graham Mertz, I would say this is probably the second best game he's ever played. And that's behind the Illinois game. Totally. And I don't know if he ever tops Illinois in his Wisconsin career. But you hard. he still missed a couple throws that were right there and could have easily been had. But when you look at his numbers, 20 of 29, 299, five touchdowns, no interceptions, QBR of 97.1. Mm, 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 mm. I mean, it doesn't get a ton better. And I love Braylon Allen finally getting a, you know, topped 100 yards for the second time this year, 135 yards, 23 carries, and that touchdown pass to Ches Malusi out of Wildcat. There was one bad thing about the game, though, besides a couple Cedric, wild, Cedric Dort? Besides a couple of Wildcat plays. Ches Malusi. Well, Cedric Dort, too. He yeah. got knocked out. Yeah. Ches Malusi broke an arm. Dort knocked out. That's not good. Well, didn't Jim Leonard come out and say that they actually wanted to use the passing game to open up their run game? Yeah, because he flat out said in an interview, we're going to run the play action and we're going to run the ball. And that's the other thing that I, I do have to comment on. It was a breath of fresh air watching that offense on Saturday. They were doing things that they used to do yeah, look good. three, four, five years ago, and it was working. How about the use of the pistol? Yeah, pistol right away to start the right. game. Yeah. And, and it's what it, that's there's a new wrinkle. We haven't seen that since uh, Matt Canada was the uh, offensive coordinator here. Like, I don't know what was going on or who was calling plays between Bobby Ingram and Paul Christ. But all I know is that was the best that that offense has probably looked arguably since 2019. Totally. I, it, it sounds really Not counting bad. the Illinois game, the one standoff game but it seems like it it seems like a different offense was being called yeah all of a sudden jet sweeps were being called again right and, and the yeah, thing that, that doesn't make sense to me sweep. is all the motion and all of the pulling that wisconsin is normally known for and the jet sweeps and some of those things we hadn't really saw it that much in 2020 when right. they started to struggle but i don't understand why because who is exactly calling plays or how was that being delegated? I don't know. Yeah. But at the same time, we know that Paul Christ was the guy that brought a lot of that to Wisconsin. Yeah. That's, so I don't know what happened in 2020 till it, it's like one of those things <laughs> because of this change, the offensive change doesn't make sense. It, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't. All the things we saw yesterday or Saturday are things that Paul Christ used as the OC with Wisconsin or when he was the head coach. Yep. Now he's fired. They got back to doing those same things. But the one weird thing that I can't understand is 
Wouldn't you think Paul Chris would be the constant? Yeah. Well, yes. he's gone, and now Bobby Ingram We're is 100% Paul calling the plays. Jim Leonard goes, that's the offense. I don't have yeah. anything to do with that. And it's they, Paul Chris offense. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't it get makes, it either. It makes zero sense. We'll talk more about it coming I up. I like it, but I don't Same. get right. it. I, yeah. could, I, could, I could get used to it again. Absolutely. Line one, good morning. Who's this? What's up, boys? Hey, Paul, hey. Man, your Bears, dude. They really wanted to. Man, that was tough. Nah, it was close. It didn't look good in the beginning, but uh, they're better than than you guys give them credit for. I'll tell you that they played. I don't know about they're, that. They're not there. They're a long way from. Dude, there, if that Justin I'm, Fields touchdown would have counted, that would have that was a pretty sick run by. That was fans. that was awesome. I, ah, damn that block in the back. <laughs> but um, no, I, I bought the whole Paul. Do you think maybe he was trying to do something different, and then they just went back to what he does? Or did, you know what I mean? Like, what was he trying to do well, different? I feel like he went from he went from having like an innovative college offense with the jet sweeps and all the motions, and then like the uh, the pulling to like a very basic pee wee football yeah, offense. Terrible run, run, pass on third and long. Run, run, yeah. pass on third and long. <laughs> Hit the guy across from you. Uh, just try and figure it out, Billy. Uh, who's got juice boxes and uh, I, 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 orange slices? I, I feel like you guys, like, I mean, I, I know you're well aware that it was Northwestern. But yes, yes. I, I, I wouldn't get that jacked up about it, you know what I mean? I mean, they and lost like, to Washington get, State. They got embarrassed by Illinois. Like, this is, you know, you, you had to get this win. Graham, Graham Mertz can't play Northwestern every week, you know what I mean? Like, no. Maybe, if he could, maybe they'd have something there. He's going to be going really, up against I'm really surprised defenses. by how bad Braylon Allen, you, you know, I thought he would be off and running from the start. You know what I mean? 135 yards, Polly, and he threw for a touchdown. Yeah, okay. 130, 135 yards in college is like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, in order to be like, I, I thought he would be in like Heisman consideration. You know what I mean? Like, I thought he'd be rushing for almost 200 a game because the guy was a freak last year. We'll see what happens. Well, Rowdy well, Ra- I mean, said on Friday he was better as a teenager. But we also. He's still a teenager. A kid. Okay, sorry, a kid, excuse me. Yeah, 18. <laughs> but, kid. like, if you look at the first five games, the offensive game plan wasn't really conducive to him being able to do that. Now, granted, they were giving him the ball a lot, but he was going up against eight and nine-man boxes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yesterday, and, I mean, granted, his other 100-yard game came against... Uh, Ohio State. Ohio- yeah, he got Ohio yeah. State. Yeah, but, like, it also against their second-string defense... Um, but it, it was one of those, even though they started with guys and safeties being, you know, seven yards close to the offensive line of scrimmage, Northwestern did. I mean, the first play, I mean, you're talking play action and hitting Shimray DK for two first downs on the first two plays. It, it opened it up for him and, you know, uh, Northwestern's not the greatest run defense, but yeah. I mean, you're still able to put up 135 yards. No touchdowns Paul, uh, rushing, hey, but still. Yeah. Real quick, Polly, but we're up against break. Anything else? Yeah, I'm heading up to uh, put on a Polly Parlay. Ooh, so, the Polly uh, Parlay. Throw, throw me some, some uh, Razor's Edge if you get a chance while right. I'm driving up. You do it. We'll do, we'll do uh, it coming up for you, buddy, okay? I, I just wanted to let you know that I solely, I, I have the power. You're he, man. I, I, I just discovered this yesterday. I can make the Green Bay Packers lose anytime I want. You just bet on them? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly how you do it. I have the power. All right, boys. <laughs> have a good one. See you, man. There he is. Who's over on line two? I was just about to get to you. You, you dropped the ball right there, though. That's on you. Uh, all right. That's funny. Yeah, Chesma Lucy, that's, that's, that's tough. So bro- is the broken arm the official? Uh, yeah, I, I think I was... I was seeing some people who either screenshotted some texts they got or, Lame. Uh, you know, you could also make those things, Lame. but it said broke his arm. Lame. All right, news of the weird coming up. How about this, though, before uh, we'll put a bow, we'll talk more Wisconsin later on in the show. Uh, Zach Halpern is running to say 20. Jim Leonard, three, the number three. That is how many coaches since 1936 have won their first Big Ten game. After Leonard earned his uh, on Saturday. The others, Dave McClain in 1978. Yeah. And Rowdy's favorite and my favorite, sarcasm, Gary Anderson. You know, vent your frustrations at 608-321-1670. Ron is right there with myself and Rowdy. A public enemy number one for the loss against the Giants for the Packers for me 
is one Mr. Eyebrows, Matt LaFleur. I can't decide if I want to call Matt LaFraud, Matt LaBomb, Matt LaDud, or Matt LaFlounder. I'm not sure which. Matt LaFleur, and then Ron also said Joe Barry needs to get his berries checked. Rowdy, where are you standing at with this this, this anger for the Packers? I, I just think it's really concerning that since 2019 when Matt LaFleur took over, we have the same conversations after games like this play out. Yeah. It's always, well, we needed to make adjustments or this is on me. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I wasn't prepared. My game plan was terrible. It's always the same thing. Always. Then do it. Like, well, and I'm not I don't saying know how we got away from the run. Well, you're the coach. And I'm oh. not saying that the Green Bay Packers should be 16 and 0 or 17 and 0 every single season since Matt LaFleur has started coaching. That's clearly not uh, realistic. But also, they've went 13 and 3 or 13 and 4 every single season with Matt LaFleur. Yeah. I would argue that had he came out with like a better game plan or maybe just say made adjustments at halftime, they could probably cut those losses in half. Yeah, but instead they're like, like well, if they lose four games a season adjust. under Matt LaFleur, I would argue it should be two if he could make adjustments at halftime. I can't make adjustments. <laughs> RJ, now uh, Ron called in, you heard me, you heard Rowdy. When it looks yeah. at that game in London, where do you... Now, obviously, more than just LaFleur gets blamed, but that's my public enemy number one. How about for you? I I mean, it's your offensive and defensive play callers. Um, at half, you saw the New York Giants make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And they were taking what the Packers were allowing, and the Packers ran zone defense the whole time. Um, that pisses me off a little bit, by the way. <laughs> no, yes. absolutely. Oh, it's totally. Here's the reason. If you're running a zone, look at your corners. We know that they're supposed to have three really good corners. Jair Alexander is a top five corner when healthy. Yep. Eric Stokes actually graded out last season as a rookie, as a pretty good corner. Yep. And Rasul Douglas came out of nowhere. He had some flashes in the past with other teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, but really came onto the scene with the Green Bay Packers last year. But you know what all three of them do the best? Man coverage. Play press man coverage. And there it is. So why would you go to zone if your three best guys want to be up in the grill of the wide receiver? So check this out. The Packers have now scored seven points or fewer in the second half in four of their five games. Nice. Last season, they only had four games total where they scored seven points or fewer in the second half of a game. Yeah. Wow. But, I mean, there it was like there were third and threes, third and third and fives where, I mean, Saquon Barkley could have picked it up himself, but they threw a little three-yard pass to the tight end who roamed for another two yards, and they kept drives going because there was nobody there to stop them at the first down marker. Yeah. Like, you... Get your berries checked, Joe you Barry. You really have no clue what's going on. If yeah, you, like, there's absolutely no way this team should be running a zone for an entire game. All right, so... Uh, if, if we are going to point out positives on the defense, I want to bring up one name. I know everybody uh, loves to poke, well, to poke the bear and say Rashawn Gary... And obviously he's played well, right? He's a beast. How about Jaron Reed? Yeah. Jaron Reed. He was disruptive yesterday. Jaron Reed was a guy that they brought in for less than $2 million a year. It was a guy that had had some success earlier in his NFL career, but the last few years had kind of just been a journeyman, a rotational player. He's been brought in for cheap. And he's played really freaking well. Yeah. Yep. Um, the the one thing that's a very you know glaring was the final stand that the Giants had against the Packers, where the Packers had an opportunity to punch it in uh, as they were what, on the two yard line, I think is what it was. And what do they do? They threw the ball not once, not twice, not thrice, but four times. Well, no, that's when they were on the. They needed two yards to pick up a first no, that's down what it was. Yes, and me. have the drive keep going, but they were like inside the five. Yeah, they're right there. So Aaron Rodgers was asked. Uh, we'll get some comments here. Aaron Rodgers was asked about you know what happened on the final two plays. And, Rowdy, you bring this up to the deflections that Rodgers had to throw it right in the, the Giants. The one like, guy mind. got hit in the neck. <laughs> Here's Rodgers on that. What happened? What went wrong there? I like the calls. We had uh, Cobby on the left side. 
I was trying to fit it through the kind of the sea of arms there. Felt like we might have had a chance on the inbreaker. And then fourth down was trying to throw kind of a big body ball to Allen. You know, maybe should have adjusted uh, AJ to block that guy off the edge. Like I said, probably could have thrown the ball to Kabi on the left sideline. Right. Can I can I say something? No. When you have Mark Sanchez go, oh well, he's going right here, because and he goes, oh, see, like this is in play. He does that little lift on yeah. his right uh, shoulder pad, yeah. and Mark Sanchez just goes, oh, he's throwing to the right here. At least That's Mark Sanchez was... didn't say, oh, he's going to butt fumble it here. Right, but that... you have the butt fumble <laughs> picking out what the play is going to be. There's a butt fumble coming up here. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I get, I get every once in a while, you got some big athletic offensive or defensive lineman or edge that gets their hand up and knocks it down. Yeah. But we see how good Aaron Rodgers is. We've actually seen how, how pretty serviceable the offensive line has been mm-hmm. with not being 100% healthy, mix, mixing and matching where you're playing guys and who's in and out of the lineup. I would say overall the offensive line this year has been serviceable. It's not like they've been great, but for all the injuries and for all the different positions that everyone is playing and in flux with a lot of inexperienced young players, I think they've been pretty serviceable. It's not their fault. And again, the edge rushers or the big defensive linemen, I understand batting down a pass here and there, but when it's two plays in a row, that's on Rodgers. Yeah. Yeah. That shouldn't happen yeah. two plays in a row. Yeah. Especially, like you said, when they're jumping and it's hitting them, like, in, in the, the chest, plate. in the neck, <laughs> so a, in the face. A couple more from Rodgers. He was asked, uh, you know, after the Giants tied the game at 20 apiece, what happened on the next three and out series? Because it was just three and out, punt, 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 punt. Here you go. I like those three calls. You know, I feel good about all those. You know, we got to hit one of those to give our defense a little more rest and kind of turn the tide back in our favor. So Rogers, um, more extended on the podium, he was saying like, he's like, I'm not making those calls, but I like those calls. So he's basically saying Matt LaFleur is sending those calls down. I like them. So I, I chose to go with them. I run with them. Now Rogers does talk about uh, more of this, the negative talk. That's yeah, JJO. Negative talk, he said, um, isn't a good idea. He's all about manifesting words. Check this out, this? I understand there's a reality in this game, and there's a win and a loss every single game, but there's also a reality in life that you, uh, what you're putting your energy towards, that's where your focus is going to go. So I'm not going to address prospects of losing up here uh, other than we just lost this game. And that was uh, him asked about, you know, if they've, Afraid they might lose to the Jets coming up here, but on the game itself, offensively, they have yet to put two halves together. Rogers asked about that. There's a lot that factors into that. You know, everything from calls to execution to the momentum to defensive stops to adjustments that we make that are good or shouldn't make, but it's a lot of execution. There's games like this where our defense is not going to be up to their normal standards, and we got to pick them up. We had chances, a lot of chances. So this one will weigh heavy on us on this flight back. That's what I can't imagine. You have Daniel Jones, who's got a kind of little bum ankle, and he looked the best he's ever looked. 17 unanswered points. If you have a guy that's got a bad ankle, and we know that Daniel Jones is a guy that actually succeeds when he's moving around, when he's kind of being elusive in the pocket or even running the football, wouldn't you want to test that guy? Yes. Because wouldn't you think that even though he might play some of his best football when he's out on the outside of the pocket moving around, (laughs) don't you think that if your ankle's really bothering you, that you're probably going to want to stay in the pocket a little bit more. Yes. Just because it would make you feel a little bit better. Yeah. Once you want to get pressure on that guy and not only get pressure on that guy, but make that guy have to move around and run more on that bad ankle. That would make sense to me, Rody. I feel like they didn't bring enough pressure on Daniel Jones. We'll get the comments about that from LaFleur on the way. Um, Rogers talking about the Packers. I know they're sitting at three and two right now. Uh, how does he feel about the green and gold? We get to handle adversity a little bit better. We're a little bit of a roller coaster team at times. Uh, our best teams have been a little bit more steady. So we got to find that rhythm and that, that steadiness. We got to get back and get healthy and get rested. We got a home game uh, that we'll probably be favored in against the Jets. And we got to go back and, and refocus. And Rodgers is no longer addressing the prospects of losing. 
As he says, he does not want those uh, manifestation of words out there. Big believer in it. Real quick, <laughs> real quick before the phone calls here, uh, Rogers talking about how they just haven't played consistent in all three phases. The margin of error for us in winning is small, so we have to make those plays, especially when you're playing against a good football team. And the Giants are a good football team. They're four and one. I got to make the throws that are necessary. We got to come up with the catches. We got to run the ball. We got to force some turnovers on teams ball. or on defense. When you get the opportunities, we got to make those plays because we're not sharp enough yet to have uh, a wider margin of error. So we talked about uh, how Matt LaFleur has struggled with making adjustments pretty much since his first game as a Green Bay Packers head coach. It's La Bum. Yet they've still won. They've either went 13-3 and three or 13-4 and four in every single season that he's been the head coach. They're currently 3-2. and two. Do you think that they can keep that streak of 13 wins going? That means going 10-2 and two the rest of the season. No. As with how they're looking right now, I'd say no. But how about this? Didn't we think that <laughs> this team could arguably be better than last year's team? We we, we did, did. A, we did pontificate on that. Right? That's because we were told we had an elite defense. There you go. And there it is. And remember when I said, <laughs> and there it is. Let's pump the brakes on the top saying. five defense. Let's pump the brakes I gotta on see the it. best defense in the league. I do have to see it. And guess what? Through five weeks. I ain't seeing it. Joe Barry's defense right now doesn't like have berries. I haven't looked at Marbles. where they actually ranked, but I would say I don't even think this has been top 10 this year. Let's get the research department on it. In the meantime, let's go to the phones. Uh, line one. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, good morning, guys. Corey. Oh, Corey. I'll be quick and then let you get going here. Um, so the question I got is on offense, who is your best playmaker? Aaron Jones. Jones. The other Aaron. You're correct, correct Rowdy. So the, the next question I'd have then, probably your top three would be like Aaron Jones, the Lizard King, and then maybe A.J. Dillon on the outside kind of looking in. Why is Aaron Jones only got 13 carries yesterday? That's a great question. Because Matt, Matt LeBaum wanted to abandon the run because he... Uh, you know, I tend to think that it's not necessarily LeFleur. It's LeBaum. I, when, when, yeah, whatever. When <laughs> Rodgers comes out, he's like, I like these calls. That's very open-ended. Because I have a feeling he's changing these calls at the line. Well, LaFleur runs a lot of RPO. Because it doesn't make much sense to me. It's just a casual fan that's watched football for the most of my natural life that after your defense just got abused, let's just call it that, they were abused for that eight-minute, 15-play drive. That was like going to the dentist and no know the game. <laughs> the real time on that was probably 35 minutes. I listened to it on the radio. Right? Yeah. Your yeah. offense has been sitting on the sidelines for real time over a half hour. You decided to come out and chuck the ball three times deep, give these guys no rest on the sideline at all after they basically just ran a marathon and got their asses beat, let's be honest, down the field. Mm-hmm. And then you got to come right out. And what happens? They give up the game tying touchdown drive, which we all kind of expected when I was listening to it on the radio because I don't have NFL Network. They pointed out, like, this is not good. You know, Larrabee's like, we got to get these guys to rest on the sideline. The Rock was like, yup, this ain't good. What happens then? They come out, give up the 60-yard go-ahead drive, and then they finally start somewhat playing intelligently again on that desperation drive. But by that point, you've given up so much time in the fourth quarter, you got really nothing left. You know, you don't have much time left. It's like internally screaming into the abyss with this yeah. team. Something we were talking about all show is the Packers effing losing in London. It was just started out good. Packers up 20 to 10, right? And all of a sudden, Daniel Jones uh, looks like you know, the second coming of, I don't know, Christ. And the Giants have 17 unanswered points. And they end up beating the Packers in what was kind of a, a mind numbing, shocking kind of way as the Packers literally got away from what was working best running the football. Run the damn ball. Their defense had no berries, Joe Barry's defense. And it's just like, it's like what's going on? Uh, so, Rowdy, some of the stuff we were talking about, the final two plays uh, on the Packers' drive that came up short, it was all passes, no running the football. It was all break, no gas. Matt LaFleur was asked on those final you know, two plays what was going on. Take a listen. We had a run-pass option on, and they, they loaded the box and went cover zero, and we figured that's what they were going to do. And unfortunately, had two bad passes. And those bad passes were pretty bad, weren't they? Like, it was 
like Rogers. What yeah. Are you doing? And I was saying earlier, like I understand occasionally having a pass bat down or occasionally having like a edge or a defensive lineman make a nice athletic play and knock a ball down. But for it to be two passes in a row and it wasn't like some guy made some miraculous play where they have like a 40 inch vertical and got up that high and knocked it down. Right. Yeah. These were thrown right into their like, neck and chest and shoulder area. Like right there. Like what are you doing? That that's on Rogers. It is. It's especially majority of the game though. I blame Matt LaFleur. Yeah, well, the game plan and the play calling in the second half was ridiculous. Yeah, that is on LaFleur. La bum. La dumb. I also think that Aaron Rodgers has to hold a little bit to the fire as well. Totally. And the re- reason being is because he missed some throws again, because those last two plays threw it directly into the defender. Some people would argue that, Hey, maybe he was actually changing some of the plays. I don't know. I don't think we RPO, ever really yeah. know unless we verbally see him up there changing the play. And you can tell that he's saying things. Obviously he has little things like we mentioned earlier where he, tugs on his shoulder or he kind of does something with his eyes. Yeah. I don't exactly know a hundred percent when he's changing the play. I don't think anyone watching does. No. And Matt LaFleur, I would say if I had to offensively blame somebody, I would go 90% Matt LaFleur, 10% Rogers. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Matt LaFleur just literally cannot adjust uh, when the other team adjusts. Matt LaFleur. I thought everyone else looked good. Yeah, yeah, we'll get in more into it coming up. Here's more from LaFleur on lacking balance with the offense. 39 passes, only 20 runs. We had a lot of run pass cans, and they played a lot of single high and manned us up. And, you know, do you want to run into a loaded box or you want to try to get it through the air? And unfortunately, that didn't work for us. So, like I said, give credit. You know, Wink's a guy I totally I got a lot of respect for, and he outcoached us in the second half, and they outplayed us. So also when it comes to running the ball, a lot of people are like, why don't you just run the damn ball? Aaron Jones was averaging 4.8 yards per carry, A.J. Dillon 5.7. Here's LaFleur, and if they lost their, you know, identity of running the ball. When the results don't go your way, it's only fair, you know. You could you could argue we scored no points in the second half. So obviously it, the plan that uh, and the play calls that I gave weren't, weren't good enough. Weren't we just literally talking about all show of how LaFleur never adjusts his plan? He just said at the end of the comment in the clip right there. I mean, that, he literally just said it. Here, here. When the results don't go your way, it's only fair. You know, you could, you could argue we scored no points in the second half. So obviously it, the plan that uh, and the play calls that I gave weren't, weren't good enough. You know what else wasn't good enough, Rowdy, is the defense. Well, I think I think overall on offense, outside of Rodgers on, on some of those passes and, and plays, maybe he changed, maybe he didn't. Maybe it was just LaFleur not calling a good game. I thought overall, I mean, they played well. You mentioned it. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon combined a rush for over five yards per carry. Both of them, when handed the football, ran well. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the, the receiving core. Randall Cobb. Played well. Had a hell of a catch on the sideline. Yeah. Like, Al Nazard did what he was asked to do. Same with Romeo Dobbs. Same with Robert, uh, Big Bobby Tunyon. I I don't think there's anything I could really argue with from a standpoint where, oh, well, we need more out of Randall Cobb or we need more out of Aaron Jones. I, I think they all played decently well. They totally Offensively. Did. It was just all of a sudden, you're not putting those guys in the right position no. to come up with big plays, or you're not calling, the, you know, like a good game plan where all of a sudden you throw three balls deep. And yeah, does he come up snake eyes? You, you chuck three balls deep, and now you're punting? Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, and you need to give your defensive rest. That's why, you you know, rely on AJ, or AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. So LaFleur was asked on the defense in the second half, what happened? I go to go back and look at the tape. You know, it seemed like there were some timely, costly penalties on our on our part that gave them, you know, life on some drives. And you know, you you can't do that in this league. Yeah, there were some big penalties that cost the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was talking about uh, just how they're not good enough yet because the NFL is all about a, f- a few handful of plays, which makes the difference. And they're not good enough yet to have you know extended plays. It's it's a, it's a Tiny little bits of plays will come and bite him in the ass. We mentioned this earlier in the show with RJ, but I, I think it needs to be said again. I don't understand. Have we not seen the Green Bay Packers when they play zone coverage get exposed? 
Look like at what, every time. Look at what Justin Jefferson did to them week one. Now, granted, Justin Jefferson is probably a top five wide receiver in this league. Yeah. But he completely exposed them when they played zone. And then I was talking to you and RJ and I go, look at the three corners that they have. Jair Alexander is top five corner when healthy. Rasul Douglas has had moments in the NFL previous to his stop in Green Bay, but he has really shined in Green he Bay. He had a lot of costly penalties yesterday, Douglas. And Eric Stokes, just in general, as a rookie, graded out pro football focus-wise as a really good corner, especially for a rookie last year. Mm-hmm. All of them play really good man-to-man press coverage. When Jair Alexander's at the line of scrimmage, he's literally nose-to-nose with the wide receiver. Same with Rasul Douglas. Yeah. Why all of a sudden are you giving eight, nine, ten yards a cushion playing zone when your guy's best thing is playing man to man? It's almost like remember how they play like a prevent defense or like a oh shell? Oh my god! Yes, and they used to let teams on in the McCarthy era go right up and down the field like yeah, it was just nothing. Torch them up. Why would you play zone and back off when you have? You have junkyard dogs at corner that want to get up in the receiver's face, jam them at the line of scrimmage. It hasn't worked this year. No, I I don't get why you continue to play zone. And it's not like we're talking about Justin Jefferson running wild or Adam Thielen. We're talking about the best three wide receivers on the New York Giants being out. They didn't even play like all bums. And then the other two guys, they were nursing sore hamstrings. And then you have like a, a young Davis Sills. It's like. These aren't, this is not even a good receiving core at, at this moment in time that you're facing, yet you're still playing zone. Why don't you just let them dominate the guy across from him? <sighs> and I, Rashawn Gary, again, was getting pressure. He was, he was getting into the backfield yeah, yep. at times. Jaron Reed has been really, really good, especially yes. for the signing that they've had. Signed him for less than $2 million. He already had three sacks. Like, I thought overall the defensive line was all right. I know Quay Walker is going to have some growing pains. Devondre Campbell hasn't quite been the guy he was last year after he got that contract. And that was, that was a question mark that we brought up yeah, earlier totally. this year. So was, is he a one hit wonder? Can he do it again? Cause he was a very average player every single stop every year of his career yep. until last year. And he's kind of regressing back to that mean still better than what he had been totally. at some of the stops, but not what he was last year. And that's what you kind of paid him to be. But they need to stop the run they do. a lot better than what well, they're doing it. And they have the players to do so. That's the frustrating point. Yeah. Uh, LaFleur was asked also, I mean, what went wrong? What was their biggest downfall against the Giants in London? Everything. You know, it wasn't good enough. Again, give New York all the credit. Mike Kafka, Brian Dayball, their players going out there and, and coming up with a good plan and then out executing. That's what happens in this league. And if you don't come ready to play, and not that we didn't come ready to play, but they obviously out-executed us in the second half, and like I told our team, it's just disappointing, but we can't let one loss compound into another. Again, it goes from LaFleur talking about getting out-executed in the second half because they made adjustments. What did LaFleur do? Didn't make adjustments. Stuck with this dumbass game plan. This is, this is, this is what happens to LaFleur every time that they uh, all of a sudden face adversity. They kind of shrink up, and all of a sudden he's, he gets, Rodgers, go throw the ball. Or let's abandon the run altogether. I don't understand it. Uh, Matt LaFleur, uh, the status of his team, they're 3-2. and two. So what, what are they like through five games? Well, certainly there's been a lot of struggles, and that is this league. And we just got to be more consistent because there are some moments where we look pretty good, but we have yet to put together a complete game as a team. It's like every game has been one good half. That's not good enough in this league. you got to play every play like it's your last, and if you don't, you get your ass whipped. I disagree with what one thing he said there. What's that? It seems like we can only put one good half together. I would say for most of these games. Now, I would I would say they did play good for a half against the Giants. Yeah. I would say most of these games, they only play good for one quarter. I totally agree with you on that, Rowdy. What, what, what game have they put together to, uh, two good quarters? Two good, two good quarters from both sides of the football. I think you could argue maybe just uh, one, and that was against the Giants. Yeah. Like, think about all their other games. I don't think they still played. struggling. I don't think they played a good quarter, both offensively and defensively in the Vikings game. They had that one really good second quarter against the bears. 
The Buccaneers, it was right out of the gates. Yep. The first and then quarter. Fizzle. The Patriots, that was probably a, a half. And then the Giants. Like, at best, they've played a half of football, a good half of football. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. Uh, oh, we got Zach Heilpern, our sports director, coming up. And that was maybe, I think you could only argue that they played a good half of football in one, maybe two games. Everything else, it's been one <laughs> I think it's singular just been a quarter. quarter. What a whirlwind of Wisconsin sports. I don't want anyone else manning the ship than our Zach Heilprin. Good morning, Zach. Hey. Good morning. What's going on, brother? How are we living? Nobody? Nobody. You of the SS Wisconsin, Zach. All right. All right, so uh, a lot of stuff has uh, unfolded in this last uh, week and a day now. So, Zach, uh, let's just start with the win on Saturday. How about the debut of Jim Leonard? They go down there and just obliterate the Wildcats. Uh, what, Rowdy, the second best game Graham Mertz has ever had, we're saying here, outside of Illinois? I would say so. Zach, Graham Mertz. He does one thing and one thing pretty good usually. That's beat up on the bad teams. How much do we take away from this win, though, of Graham Mertz taking down Northwestern with, what, 299 yards passing and a five tutties? Yeah. Statistically, it's, it's right up there as his best performance. You know the one, the game he had against New Mexico State, apparently there was a, he had a higher uh, uh, pass efficiency rating than they did against Illinois somehow, some way. Uh, so they, yes, Saturday, though, amazing uh, for the offense. We saw some new things, a little bit of pistol, a little bit of – a lot of more RPO, that type of stuff. And I think uh, Graham Mertz really benefited from it because uh, the, the footwork in those situations is not nearly as, um, uh, I wouldn't say complicated, but not nearly as, it's probably more familiar to him. It's so, kind of what he, was, what he did in, in high school. So uh, the, what I'm saying is like what he was able to do, I guess, is, whether it's Northwestern or anybody else, the balls that he threw, for the most part, outside of the first drive, were right where they needed to be. They were accurate. They were great passes, allowed guys to run with the ball afterwards. So, even if it's not Northwestern, that's that's really good. But the offense, you know, obviously looked a little a little different. And I love that Wildcat without, too, dude. Without Paul, yeah, right. I'm all um, in on the Wildcat now. Paul I'm all in. I'm all in on the Wildcat. I like. I am sold. I'm Shelf in. the Wildcat. I'm in. Shelf it. I hated it. I, I wanted to be against it for the longest time, but I said on Friday if they run it some more, that someone's got to like it. So I'm going yeah. in. I, well, I don't think you're the only one that that likes it. Braylon Allen, the Chesma Lucy. Oh, that was awesome, dude. Braylon Allen likes it. So you're, you and you and Braylon Allen on the same page. Uh, so speaking of the offense, well, that's that's good. Braylon mm-hmm. Allen, Ebo, and, Dave from Monona, hell of a trio. Yeah, you can join. Uh, <laughs> I, won't, I won't breathe his name for you, Zach. All right, so uh, Rowdy, when it comes to the offense, we were talking about this RJ earlier this morning, Zach, and I want Rowdy to bring it up again. What were you saying about Paul Chris pre-2020 and then the offense now? Well, I feel like we watched such a stagnant offense since 2020 where it was just basically running the football first, second down, getting into third and long. There wasn't a ton of play action. You'd never really saw a ton of motion. The jet sweeps were way down. But Paul Chris was the guy that started running all of those as the offensive coordinator and then more when he became the head coach earlier in his tenure. And then all of a sudden it just kind of went away and it just got really stale. He leaves and all of a sudden they bring it back. It doesn't make sense. Uh, you know what? I think uh, I think it's, uh, having Bobby Ingram there, fresh eyes in terms of, yes, he watched the last two seasons of Graham Mertz but he wasn't living it day to day. And Paul Chris was, and I don't necessarily know if there was a, uh, the trust there to, to handle, have him handle all those things for for whatever reason, maybe just because of what 2020 was and, you know, some of the struggles they had that year, whether it was getting the play in or otherwise. Um, I think it's just a bunch of fresh eyes and, and allowing Graham to just go out there and play instead of worrying that he's going to make a mistake here or make a mistake there, just going out there and, and letting it go. Um, but I think it's probably overblown a little bit too much. We've we've seen jet sweeps, you know. Um, we, we we've seen motion, but you're right. Uh, the play action. I think Graham had thrown six play action passes all all year, or maybe it was either six or nine all year, and he had one of those totals on Saturday. So certainly, play action was was brought back into it more, um, and then you know running things out of the pistol, running things out of the shotgun, which is a little bit again, and sadly I haven't been doing that stuff. Graham continues to be a little bit more comfortable in there because um, it's what he grew up doing. And um, so I, I, I think that all plays into it, Rowdy, but 
it, it certainly was different looking offense. It, it felt like there was a little bit more uh, diversity in, in the different uh, formations that they were willing to run. Uh, they ran on first down nine times. Or say, excuse me, they they passed on first down nine times. Six of those came in the first quarter. So, like, they got Northwestern on the heels a little bit. See, this is the one thing that actually does bug me about Wisconsin football in their There's quarter. only one thing? There's only one thing that bugs you about Wisconsin I said this football? is he's, one he, of the things. When he says okay. that, you know there's many more. Yeah. And it, it has to do with the quarterbacks. <laughs> and we, we always talk about, as Wisconsin Badger there's fans and the Wisconsin Badger program, that they want to beat Ohio State. They want to try to become an Ohio State or a Michigan and be on a Tier 1 because they're always seen as a Tier 2. If you're going to actually beat Ohio State and beat some of these bigger ranked blue bloods, I feel like you can't do that with a quarterback that just plays within, you know, like a here we're going to hand it off 70% of the time and then we'll do a couple play actions. But no, 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 don't throw it more than 10 yards. We got to keep it short, if you know, efficient passes. If they have a talent like Graham Mertz or like a Jack Cohn or some of these other guys that they've had in the past where they've really kept the training wheels on, if you really think you're going to beat the best teams in the in the country, you gotta let them you gotta unleash them. Because you're gonna live or die with with the quarterback. You can't beat these great teams strictly running the football at two thirds of the time. Like yeah. an example. Yesterday, the Buffalo Bills were huge, were huge favorites against the Steelers. Of course, Kenny Pickett is a rookie and he's going to throw picks, but you got to keep throwing it with them because you're not going to beat the Buffalo Bills running the football. I mean, you may. I mean, playing ball control. I think that is sometimes no way. The idea. I compl- here. I said I think that's sometimes the idea with 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 certain coaches trying to limit it. And I think I think Paul Chris abided by this a little bit. It's funny because he wasn't like this at all when he was an OC. But when he turned into a head coach, uh, and he has to worry about a whole lot of other things, he kind of turned into that guy. But either way, I kind of agree, I agree with you. Cool. I agree with you in terms of cool. the quarterback needing to be able to throw the ball around. And I and I wonder if Chris McIntosh agreed, uh, even though he said he wouldn't. Uh, you know the success of the program and like the specifics of the program, he wouldn't get involved in. But I, I you know, I think maybe he kind of uh, might have agreed. Uh, he said they want to win championships, yeah. and the way that they're playing ain't going to win championships. So maybe he agreed uh, with you, and and I certainly agree. I, I don't think running the ball into eight man boxes on first and second down <laughs> is, is a smart thing to do. Um, so yes, play action, whole bunch of different things. Like you have the ability with this offense to to do a whole bunch of different things. Um, that all look the same, and uh, it can be confusing to a defense. And it felt like they kind of were not doing that um, these last what last three years, starting in twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah. So, yes. So Zach, let me ask you this on the defensive side of the ball. Now, um, last week we were wondering if Nick Herbig realized that Paul Chris was still alive. Because a lot of things on Twitter and some of these players, especially Herbig, it was like it felt like it was a eulogy every time yeah. he he logged on to Twitter and or you know had something to say. It's like he's crying at the podium and it's like he's you know like gone to the great you know offensive coordinator booth to the sky or you know head coaching gig to the sky. Uh, Nick Herbig on his emotions after the game, quote: "I lost one of my best friends that I saw every day. I yeah. talked to him last time on the phone before the game. I miss that guy for sure. I know he was watching us today though." And if he's watching this now, I love him. I love you, Coach. I, again, it's it's like a connotation of like a eulogy. Like the, yeah. like Paul Chris died. He's alive. But Zach, well, yeah, what were you gonna say? No, go ahead. We're gonna. No, I was gonna ask like how how big of a game then that was for the defense to finally. And Herbig had a big game too. Like, is this a sign of the defense actually getting back to what we know about Wisconsin defense is actually hitting guys, tackling guys, and being stout? Yeah. yeah I mean, I did. I don't think they were dominant by any stretch, but they got the turnovers when they needed to. They got the stops when they needed to, and. Nick Herbig had a big play with the, the strip sack. It, it did. I'll be honest. I'll, it did feel kind of weird with, uh, with with some of the things that were being said. So strange. Um, pa- Paul Christ has been fired. Uh, he is no longer the coach, and yet it feels like he is in still in the locker room type of thing. Um, they're they're playing for him. And again, I have no problem with it. No, it, same. But, but it's you bizarre. Can, you can attack this. You can attack this however you want. If that's how you feel about him, that's how you feel. And if you're still playing for him, great. Um, I wonder if, you know, maybe he could have done it when he was still the coach um, and maybe he wouldn't be in this situation. And, they, I, you know, I, I don't even need to say that because they know that. They've said it themselves. But 
it, it does feel a little a little odd. But um, in terms of what they did on Saturday, creating turnovers that's that's what they need to do to have success on a regular basis. They stopped the run for the most part and uh, forced Northwestern into some tough situations. And Northwestern's quarterback, especially Ryan Holinsky, wasn't very good. Um, but Wisconsin deserves credit for that, and they're going to face a lot better offenses. Well. Uh, they may, and they'll probably face worse. Iowa. They still got to play Iowa. So Oof, what a game uh, that was, Iowa Illinois. Yes, horrible. Uh, but yeah, I think it, defensively it was a good performance because they forced turnovers and uh, and you know for the most part almost almost kept them out of the end zone except for that little late touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I just I just I'm just I just was reading that quote again from Herbig. Uh, it's yeah. so it's such a strange presence in the locker room because uh afterwards i mean didn't they all call him after the game a bunch of them call him after the game to talk to chris too and be like that one was for you coach like yes it's, it's so yeah right. no again no it's i, I mean it was, it's get, whatever it's whatever it's just, i'm not disagreeing with you i think it is it is a little weird but again you have to remember that they were with this guy every almost every day for the last four years of their life yeah, and they true. were recruited by him and they came to play here not simply because of him, but a large part of that. What helps this, though, obviously, is Jim Leonard saying this is still Paul Chris' team. Yeah. Like, I, like if if uh, Jim Leonard wasn't saying that and Jim Leonard wasn't pushing that message, I I don't know if we'd hear as much talk about it. But he has. I mean, he, the, the the game was for Paul Chris, but Jim Leonard got the game ball. So I mean, having a guy that's as popular as Jim Leonard taking over makes this well, the, the ghost of Paul Chris. The ghost of Paul Chris' career was there with. Well, him I think too. Jim Leonard. Yeah. Knowing where he stands, and and I would say probably being friends with Paul Christ, obviously Paul Christ gave him his first job. Um, I would say that was kind of the message, especially looking around the locker room, that he had to give because if he came in there like drill sergeant, like, no, this is my team now, you know, shut the F up and listen, (laughs) I feel like they would have lost to Northwestern. I mean, I uh, maybe. or but he, he, hand, he no, he handled it so well, right? Like he handled it exactly like it needed to be handled. He knew that the kids were going to be emotional. He let them have that day on Monday to get away and you know deal with some of that. And they they dealt with their emotions all week. And then they went out and put all that anger and frustration and everything else to work against Northwestern. Now the biggest challenge I think is to get that rounded back up and, and do it again this week against Michigan State. Yeah. Um, the, the fact that the Big Ten West is still very very wide open, I think, helps his you know, helps that challenge or helps him in that challenge. But uh, all our goals are still in front of us. Can three losses make the big 10 championship game out of the West? Who's going to get the privilege to get trucked by Ohio state? I I mean, if if Wisconsin has three losses, no, because they uh, probably would lose the tiebreaker to to Illinois, but could three, could three losses do it? Probably. I mean, it's not, but that'd be six and three. It's not a horrible record by any stretch. It ain't a good one. All right, Zach. Um, I want to ask you something basketball related, but first, it's mm. it's a painful day for me, and I know it's a painful day for you. Rowdy probably says good riddance. He probably helped him pack his bags. Uh, backup quarterback Deacon Hill has hit the transfer oh, yeah. has hit the transfer portal. Well, um, what do we think about that quarterback room wow. now? And I was thinking about taking the day off. I was thinking about calling in sick. Uh, had I not been sick last week, I may have. Um, just this is a this is a tough. It was tough, tough to get one. out of bed this morning. I'll say that. This is, yeah, this is a very tough scene um, for me. Um, I said you know I was calling for Deacon Hill to be starting starting over anyone. So I'm it's tough yeah, for me too. So in the spring, I, I, I think I said uh, I expect Deacon Hill to be a starting quarterback here at some point. Um, I was drunk on his arm strength and uh, big arm. Yeah, huge arm and. Uh, very much uh, wrong on that. So yeah, it's a very tough day for me. I'm, I uh, I appreciate you at least acknowledging it, um, and and the fact that it, it does hurt you as well. But yeah. now they only have three scholarship quarterbacks. We'll only have two next year because they don't have a quarterback signed for the 2023 class. Um, so they have they have some work to do. Uh, assuming Graham Mertz continues to play at the level for the most part he has, he had four good games and two bad games. Um, you would think it'd probably be pretty tough to get a a really good transfer quarterback in, but a guy that maybe wants to come in uh, and knows that he won't play the first year, but would have a potential to, to play the following year, and you know, battling with Miles Burkett. So, um, but yeah, it leaves them pretty short, pretty, pretty, mm. leaves them pretty slim there for sure. Um, tough. Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough. Dude, again, the dude had the biggest arm I've ever seen. Uh, Rod- that was kind Rod- of- Rody's got a question for you, but first I would like it's to. It's not a question. No, it's more of a comment. Before the comment, I should mm. say, I would just like to have a moment of silence for Deacon Hill, if you would please. Bain, please. Thank you. All right, thank you. Yes, ready? My yep. comment is 
all right, no one's going to miss him. Like, <laughs> he literally never played. And imagine the one year, the one year where Graham Mertz, you know, some people are questioning him coming into the season. Your backup and Chase Wolf goes down out for the year, and you're the guy that's been there the longest after that. You're the guy with the big arm. You were this, you know, high three-star. Don't pile on right now. Okay? Um, you couldn't even beat out Miles Burkett. And then Miles Burkett came out and played pretty damn well in that New Mexico State game in which he, he got some mop up duty, but played well. Good riddance. I don't I don't want to be uh yeah, that's that's not nice. I don't I, I don't I don't I don't want to be that guy, but uh using the word literally and then you used it incorrectly there, Nelly, because he did play. <laughs> so um he did play he did get once he did get one little bit of a action there. It didn't go well. Uh we leave that part but, out. Leave that part out. Yes. Yep, mm-hmm. he did get some action. He's, uh, he's a, yep. I again, Deacon Hill. Uh, we'll miss him. Rest in peace. I yeah. mean, is that what we're doing with guys that are still alive but aren't, are no longer in the part of the battle? Yeah, yeah. That, if you could call, if you want to call your own press conference, Zach, and cry on the podium mm-hmm. like some other Badger players did in the week, then uh, sure, you, that's your right. Will you support me? Yeah, I'll go up on the podium and cry with you. All right, cool. Uh, Zach, before I let you go. The red and white, uh, the red and white scrimmage yesterday at the Cole Center for the Wisconsin Badger basketball team. Did I see that the media once again is picking them anywhere to finish from ninth to eleventh in the Big Ten? Yes, but I think this one probably may be legit. Well, hang on a second. Again. They picked last year. They were picked worst at well, the average was ninth, I think, last year. No, they got picked tenth by the media. Tenth. Uh, and what, what happened with the Badger picked. basketball team last year? They uh, were the co Big Ten champion. Okay, so this year they're picked what ninth? I haven't seen. Is that what they are? I haven't. I seen think it. that's what I saw. Uh, ninth. Yeah. So I've, I haven't seen it. I didn't get to go to the game yesterday, so I don't know. But um, it looks. I mean, look. They have a, a bunch of new faces. We saw a couple of them yesterday in the red white scrimmage. Max Klesman, or Max Klesman, and then um, you know Connor Asijan were their leading scorers. I think Connor Asijan is kind of the one that that probably people should be the most excited about, just because he's a true freshman. He's coming out of Indiana. He's one of the best scorers in that state in its history, which is kind of saying something. Um, big time three point shooter. He's got. I'd be interested to see, you know, what kind of impact he could have. I usually don't see true freshmen coming in and making huge impacts at Wisconsin, but he might be. He might be one of them because they need scoring. They lost their top, their two leading scorers uh, in uh, Johnny Davis and Brad Davison. So we'll see. It's, uh, it's an interesting team. I don't know how good they're going to be, but it's at least it's at least an interesting year to see what they they interesting. Bring. I like that word. So interesting. Many, because there's because there's so many new faces. I don't know how good they're going to be, but there's so many new faces that it does give you a little bit of a hmm. What's hmm? Interesting. What's I like how you use the word interesting. Yeah, I'm used... not going to say good. I'm not going to say great. I'm not going to say horrible because I just don't know. Interesting. I think that um, the writers might get it right this year. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I had a little bit of an issue with 10th last year because you have a, a big-time player like Johnny Davis, but we didn't know he was going to be that kind of big-time player. There ain't no that. Johnny Davis walking through that door, Zach. Yes, yeah, his twin no, brother, Jordan, Jordan Davis. Davis. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of look like a little kinda bit. Kind of did. You just, you just hope that Jordan got a little bit of that NBA genes like Johnny got, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, Zach? Mm-hmm. Uh... Let me know when the Deacon Hill press conference is going on. We, you and I can cry together, okay? I'll hold you. You hold me. Sounds good, man. Thank you. I see you, Zach. There he is. Bye. Tell Dan we said hi to. Who's a good boy? Oh, there he is. Rowdy? That's a tough scene for you. What? Deacon Hill? You calling for Deacon Hill. Him becoming technically what the, would be the full-string quarterback. And then him transferring. Chase Wolf, who was injured. Miles Burkett. Burkett then getting a, I guess he actually did play one he did. time. He did. Must have been deep in the... Uh, that was the first game of the season. Yeah, I must have been deep in the <laughs> seas of addiction on a Saturday because I didn't even see that. I didn't, hey, listen, I didn't see him play either. So. Sorry if I missed his one play. I didn't see it either. 